Good morning. <laughs> My name is Olivia Lawrence. Would you stand with me for our scripture reading? From Ephesians 4, 1 through 16. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, therefore I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. She stays standing as we pray. God, we thank you that um, you are urging us through Paul to live a life that is worthy of the calling. So God, we give ourselves to you. You are holy and awesome and good. And as we stand here to listen to your word and to, to think about the things that, that, Lord, are of you, fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord. That's the only way we can do this. This is the only way we can live, is if we're full of you, the Holy Spirit. So we praise you and thank you. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Um, it's wonderful to be able to share from the Word of God with you. Uh, let me start off with a story. In middle school, I was pretty fast. I, could, I was a sprinter and uh, no world record, but uh, I could do the 100-meter dash in about 13.9 seconds, which for a middle schooler, that's pretty fast. It's no world record. Uh, what's his name? Usain Bolt is 9.5-something uh, is, is how fast he runs the 100-meter dash. But as a middle schooler, I was skinny and little, and, and I was pretty fast as a sprinter. And my coach at, at gym class said, Joe, you're pretty fast. As a middle schooler, he asked me, oh, you should go to the high school to run uh, the 100-meter dash and sprint. And so I did. I made trips a couple times a week to uh, Rome Free Academy in upstate New York. I went to the high school as a middle schooler to run track, and I had a lot of fun. It was a, it was a great track uh, program. They had a lot of volunteers. It was, it was really well attended by the school. Um, they, they won. They won a whole bunch. Season after season, they would win. Year after year, they had win. It had been something like five or six years since they had lost a track meet. And so there was a lot of uh, people just striving to become better because they were so good. Lots of parents and teachers uh, volunteered to coach. And so it was something like every, for every three students, there was like one coach. And so I had a coach over me and a couple other middle schoolers who were there to, to run track. And it was wonderful. 
As a kid, you always hear parents and teachers talking about eating right and exercising. And as, as a kid, it just kind of goes in one ear and out the other ear because that's what you do, as a, as a, especially as a middle schooler. That's all you do is eat candy and drink soda and you sit around and play video games. At least that's what I did. But here at the track team, there were actually kids, high school kids and a couple other middle school kids with me saying things like, we should eat a little better. We should exercise a little harder so that we could be faster. It was a wonderful environment to be in. It was people urging one another on to live a life worthy of the calling of being on the track team. And I see that here in this verse. Uh, Paul urges us to live a life worthy of the calling. And I see that at the church here at New Life and New Life Manitou. I see people not in a legalistic way saying, oh, you need to be better and you need to do this and you need to do that but more in a, this is what we do. As, as a people of God, this is what we do. We, we live a life worthy of the calling to which we have been called. So we're studying the book of Ephesians. We're on Ephesians 4. We read it, and now let's consider it. This is quintessential of Paul. So some uh, commentator called this book, the book of Ephesians, the quintessence of Paul. He starts off praising God he talks about the Jew and the Gentile and how there should be no divisions in between them. He goes on to say that in Christ, in Christ's flesh, the law, the old ways have been set aside. Therefore, you know, Jews and Gentiles, there needs to be unity in between you. He says things like, to God be the glory in whom we have boldness to access with confidence through faith by him. And he says things, Ephesians 2, for it is by grace we have been saved through faith, so it's not a work, no one can boast. And then there is a big amen at the end of chapter 3. So Ephesians has six, six chapters. So 1, 2, and 3 are his quintessential welcomings and praising the Lord. And then at the end of chapter 3, he says amen. And then he starts chapter 4 reminding the Ephesians who he is. I'm Paul. I'm a prisoner. He's, he's literally in prison in Rome. It's towards the end of his life. He's writing back to the city of Ephesus, and the church is gathering there. And he says, because I'm a prisoner, the King James has this word, therefore. So chapters 1, 2, and 3, because Jesus is to be praised, because there should be unity, therefore. Which is, I had a Bible teacher that always said, whenever you see a therefore, you should always go and look to see what it's therefore. <laughs> Have you heard that before? It's, and so we look at chapters 1, 2, and 3, these introductions, and it, because we are in Christ, because we've been saved through grace, because God is to be praised, Paul wants us to do something. And he even reminds us, I'm a prisoner in the Lord. My name is Paul. Paul, I'm a prisoner. I want you to do something. What does he want us to do? What is it, Paul? Well, we'll do it. I mean, you're, here you are writing Scripture. We see this now in Ephesus, the book of Ephesians. We call Scripture. We're looking back at this. Paul, what do you want us to do? Well, he says it clearly. Verse, verse chapter 4, um, he says, As a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Some translations say it a little bit more repetitive and say, live a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Now, what does that mean, to live a life worthy of the calling to which we have been called? 
Well, one way to think about it is, I guess, in a, a secular sense and just a business sense and a, uh, like a job sense. Many of us are called to different jobs. I'm looking around, I see a couple people who are in like the healthcare industry or maybe not healthcare, like exercise and keeping care of your body. And if, if that is your career, if that's what you do, then it would be very bad if you ate McDonald's seven days a week, don't you think? It's like, that's not worthy of the, here you are, telling other people how to exercise and you're eating at McDonald's and kind of dogging it, uh, that's, that's not according to the ways in which you're supposed to live. Um, I think about Keith. There he is back there. I'll pick on him in an honoring way. Keith is a pilot. And kids, since they're little, sometimes they want to be pilots when they grow up. And Keith is a pilot. And it's a high calling in life to be a pilot, to fly these planes, hundreds of passengers. And what if we found out that Keith, every time he flies, uh, had a little party and he got drunk and he got high before he flew a plane? <laughs> we would say, Keith, that's, that, you're going to get you're going to kill people. That's not worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Or Justin in the back. I see Justin. I'll pick on him to honor him. He, he's a mechanic for uh, buses and not just any mechanic, but a really, really good mechanic. Uh, in fact, he's won awards and competitions because they have competitions and bus mechanic. He works for uh, a school district here and he's one of the best. So what if um, Justin, who works on buses, which transports the most precious cargo I can think of, like our children, literally the next generation, what if we found out Justin was just dogging it? Like every time he kind of came to a problem, like, oh, these brakes aren't working. Instead of fixing them and doing it right, I'm just going to clip them. And, you know, the front brakes are good. We don't need the back brakes, do we? Like what if we found out that that's how he was living and that's how he was doing his, the calling of being a bus mechanic? We'd say, Justin, that's not, worth, that's not right. You're going to kill people. That's not worthy of the calling to which you have been called. So Paul here isn't talking about a job or a career in the sense that we make money. Paul is talking about our lives as believers, the calling that we have to live as Christ, to live a life worthy of the calling to which we have been called. And as a reminder, this is not for salvation. If you're new to, to church and Christianity, you might think, oh, this is a place where people point their fingers at you and say how bad you are. No, this is a place where we as the church, we say, we want to live according to the calling to which we've been called because we have been saved. We don't do try to keep on the right path to get saved and to come before God and say, God, look at all these great things I've done. No, it's because we've been saved, we go out and we want to live a life worthy of the calling to which we've been called. Paul goes over this in chapters 1, 2, and 3 because we've been saved by grace through faith so that we can't even boast. There's nothing we can do to be saved. It's something we receive and then we go out and we live a life worthy of the calling to which we've been called. So let's put the scripture back up. It's, it's uh, Ephesians 4, 1. It says, Paul, prisoner, uh, it says, as a prisoner of the Lord, we, we know it's Paul from chapter 1, then I urge you, so the, the then there, it's King James says, therefore, uh, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. And then he says a couple things here, like how do we do that? What's a life worthy of the calling to which we have been re received, the calling to which we've been called? Well, it's a couple things. Be completely humble and gentle. I'm going I'm to say that's kind of one thing. The next is to be patient, bearing with one another in love. And the third thing here is to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So what does it look like to live a life worthy of the calling to which we have received? Well, it's three things. Be humble and gentle, be patient, and keep unity. We're going to talk about each one of these things. Um, they'll be there, our sermon points going from here on out. So the first one is to be humble and gentle. It seems to go against. So Paul says, live a life worthy of the calling. 
And then he says, be humble and gentle. Those two things seem like they're somewhat opposite. Of course, they're not. They're juxtaposed. So Paul says, live a life worthy of the calling. He's writing to the city of Ephesus. It was the fourth largest city in the Roman Empire at that time. It's big, booming metropolis. It's busy. There's lots of people. And Paul says, live a life worthy of the calling. We would think that he would then go on to say things that we would see in motivational posters. Do you remember those? They were like a big deal in the late 90s, uh, early 2000s. It would be a picture of something. Uh, I wrote down a couple here. Uh, like one says, dream big, and a picture of the solar system. Or a picture of an eagle, and it says, dare to soar. And you like, look at that, and you're like, yeah, that's that's right. That's what I want to do with life. Or a picture of an astronaut, and it says underneath it, you'll be great as your aspirations. Or a picture of a mountain, like big 14ers in the background, and it says, continue to reach for new goals. Like, yeah, that's what I want to do. I want to, you know, grab these quotes, and I want to take life by the horns, and I, I want to, you know, live a life worthy of the calling. Or my favorite, one of my favorite ones is uh, like a picture of a rock climber on a rock face holding on by one hand and a rope dangling behind him, and it says, believe in yourself. So you would think Paul would say, live a life worthy of the calling, and then he would have these quotes from motivational posters like, go out and get them, be strong, believe in yourself. And instead he says, be humble and be gentle. And that's something that, that we as a church, that's always something we need to work on, humility and being gentle. One of the verses we have as New Life Manitou, as, as a verse that we think about, and a verse that we memorize, and we taught our kids to memorize it, and a, a verse that we continually think about, is like, how are we going to be in Manitou? Well, we've, we've talked about Micah 6.8, which says that we as the people of God, we act justly, we love mercy, and we, we walk humbly before our God. So there it is, this, this humility and gentleness that Paul tells us to do. So if you want to live a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, be humble and be gentle. The next point is, Paul says, to be patient, bearing with one another in love. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Let me tell you another story. So in college, uh, I went to college, uh, my, my freshman year was in uh, the, the University of New Mexico, and I was a part of a great church there, and, and a small uh, college ministry, we would gather together, and it would be about 15, 10 or 15 of us, and we'd have an hour of Sunday school before we went to church, and about half the time, the, the teacher would talk, and uh, they would often talk about Ephesians, and how we're saved by grace, that was just one of the continued themes that we would learn about as college students, was, which was just a great foundation to have, and then the other half of this hour, we would go around, there'd be 10 or 15 of us, and we'd go around and just share a prayer request. We'd take 20 minutes to a half an hour every Sunday and go around and say different prayer requests. You know, someone, there was always like the normals, like, oh, you pray for this, and uh, someone always said, uh, I want you to pray for my brother, and this is like a side note to the story, but we, we prayed for his brother and prayed for this guy's brother year after year. Uh, actually, I was just there. Uh, Sunday after Sunday, we'd pray for this guy and his brother. Then I would move from New Mexico to Utah, and then from Utah, uh, I would move here to Colorado Springs, and I met a guy at New Life one time. Um, that was that was here a part of our uh, it was like a DLA program it was the furnace back then living for the Lord and he had an unusual last name and I said oh 
are you related to so-and-so from New Mexico? And he said, yeah, that's my brother. That's my little brother. And we, I was just like blown away. Like, wait, hold on just a minute. We prayed for you years ago, like eight years ago. I prayed for you every single Sunday that you would come to know the Lord because he would, he would even say himself, he was during the, that time, he was off partying and drinking. And, and it's like, man, we prayed for you. And he's like, I know. And we both just started crying. It was just a, a wonderful thing. So anyways, a side note to that story, we'd go around and, and just thinking about the, 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 the evidence of prayer in our lives. So we'd go around, some, you know, someone would always say, oh, I have an unspoken, and say, okay, well, pray for your unspoken thing. And, and we'd go around and pray for different things. And then there started to come a new kid, and he would say, well, I guess you could pray for me for patience. And we all just kind of stopped and looked at him and said, are you sure you want to pray for that? And he was like, what? What's wrong with you guys? Uh, and he's like, well, you know, it was kind of our joke at Sunday school that if you prayed for patience, then the Lord would give you opportunities to be patient. And he's like, are you sure you want to pray for that? And he's like, yeah, I really need to work on patience. And so every week, like, the, the people just kind of have similar things they, they want prayer for. This new kid's thing, and, and eventually he, didn't, he wasn't known as the new kid anymore, but he would always ask for prayer for patience. And he seemed like such a patient, nice young man. And finally, one of the girls, like, called him out on it. He's like, you could pray for me for patience today. And this girl, like, piped in. He's like, you're one of the most patient people I know. This is ridiculous. Don't you have any other prayer requests? And he's like, uh, I, I don't know. I guess just a patience, I guess. And so we prayed for patience for him. And we just saw him as such a patient person. We, we thought it was so weird that he was always asking us to pray for patience. And then one day, <laughs> we went to his house after church, and we, we go to his house. He lived with his parents, and it, we saw another side of this dude where he really did need patience. He, we, we go in, and he's at the, like, we're all there kind of looking at him, and he's screaming at his mom, Mom, where's the remote? You always remove the remote. I can't find the remote. All my friends are here. You're embarrassing me. And we're just like, everyone was just like quiet, like that awkward, just like, okay, this is weird. And then we realized, like, he can be patient and quiet in some circumstances, but, but in other circumstances, it, it required a lot of patience, which he did not have. And we could pick on this dude and point our fingers, but isn't that all of us? Like, we can all come to church and sit nicely, and we could all look like patient, wonderful Christians. And then we go home. For me, it's, it's dinner time. I have four boys, and you could ask my wife. It's, it's a nightmare. Every meal, we pray together. We try to hold hands. Somebody's always crying. Last night... Jay threw his milk at Rowan and hit Rowan and hit his plate. Rowan's food goes everywhere. And it's like, oh, Lord, patience. And we laugh, but it's, it, it's not funny. You got to <laughs> come over sometime. Just, knock, just listen. Like, listen at the door. Like, wow, that house. Um, the Lord grant us patience. We all, ha and, and it's funny because all of us have that. Maybe for some of you, it's driving and, and road rage. Maybe for some of you, it's, it's a work situation. Maybe for some of you, it's someone you work with or so, a family member. And we can come to church and we can pretend like, oh, we're patient. We're just sitting nicely. But then we get in these situations and Lord, have mercy. Lord, give us patience. If we want to live a life worthy of the calling, then Paul says, be patient and bear with one another in love. Third, he says this. He says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Make every effort to what? To keep the unity through the bond of peace. It may sound like an oxymoron, but, but we need to work for, we need to fight for peace. 
Psalm 133 is one of my favorite psalms. Uh, memorized it. I think Jay has it memorized as well. It talks about how good and pleasant it is when the people of God live together in unity. How great that is. It is like, and he talks about uh, the mountains, like the, the mountains, and there's dew on the mountains, and how beautiful an image that is. Oh, how wonderful it is. It's like the, the dew on Mount Hermon coming down into Zion. From there the Lord bestows his blessing. How good and how pleasant it is when the people of God live together in unity. That's something I, I know we can work on as a church here in 2017 in Manitou in, in the United States. We are a group of people that just kind of love to fight. We love to, to be right all the time. And, and Paul, in this way, says, strive for unity. Instead of trying to be right, try to be righteous. Are we looking for the Holy Spirit or are we looking for a fight? I'm sure you've seen it. Maybe some of us in here have been guilty of it, of, of getting online and using social media to rant about something or to just put something out there that you know is going to stir the pot. And so sure enough, you put it out there and then people fight at you and then people fight each other. And that is disunity. Don't strive for that. Don't strive to be right. Don't strive for an argument, but strive for righteousness. Strive for the Holy Spirit. And so Paul says, kind of going back, he says, if you do these things, if you live a life worthy of the calling and if you are, work on humility and, and patience and keeping the unity, then the last point of this sermon is you won't be a baby. <laughs> That's what he says. You won't be an infant. And infants and babies, he says this, you will no longer be an infant, starting in verse 14, tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Lots of people believe lots of different things, and it's so easy to be tossed back and forth with all these ideas that are out there. Verse 15 says, instead, this is what Paul wants to do, speak truth and love. And we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. For in him the whole body, joined, held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So today we're going we're gonna to celebrate baptisms after this service today. There's two people, Rachel and, and Dominique, they're, they're going to get baptized and they're, 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 one of the steps of becoming a believer is, is getting baptized. It's, it's, it's the symbol of going down into the water, dying to an old way, coming up and, and brand new, being washed and cleaned through Christ, a spiritual, uh, mysterious, uh, wonderful symbol of Christ's work inside of us. It's, it's saying that, that we are no longer infants. We're going to walk towards the calling to which the Lord has called us. I was downstairs talking to Dominique, and she said, this whole week I've just been crying. And then I started to tear up. Like, why? The, the Lord's work. This is what the Lord does. He, he matures his people and brings them into holiness instead of being like a kid, instead of being like a child. Kids will believe anything. They're, the kids are tossed back and forth by whatever you tell them, whatever influences there are in their lives. I have a kindergartner here at Manitou Elementary, and the first week of school, he came home, and we, he was telling us that one of the kids in his class was a tamer. And we were like, that's weird. What's a tamer? I even Googled it. There's nothing online about what a, a tamer is. And he said, well, it's someone that can control things and people's minds and do stuff with, like, the sorcery. And I was like, whoa, welcome to Manitou, I guess. <laughs> um, 
And, and I said, you know, that doesn't really exist. And he kind of, he kind of fought. No, he could really do it. Like, like, like he did this thing or say he had some little, tr- this kid. He now knows that that's totally false. And the kid has said, yeah, I just made that up. Sorry about that. But at the time, <laughs> at the time, the first week of school, for whatever reason, this kid was saying that he was like the sorcerer thing. And Jay was kind of buying it. He was like, yeah, I guess he really is. He's a, he's a tamer, is what he kept calling himself. Was, yeah, this kid, he's a tamer. Uh, and, and, and I had to spend time. Like, Erica and I sat down and spent time with him and said, you know, the things of God are not sorcery. We, we don't believe in that. We believe in the power of God. And if there's any spiritual power on this earth, then, then God has it all. God is the source of all goodness, and he is the source of power in our lives. And through saying that, through spending time with Jay, uh, he, he began to realize, okay, I, I guess you're right, Dad. The, the kid really isn't a tamer. And then finally the kid, yeah, I was just kidding about being that. <laughs> but kids will believe anything. That's the point. And, and think about, like, all of us will, you know, given enough time and uh, attention to some other thing, we are all like that. We can be tossed back and forth. Uh, like kids, by whatever is going on and the situations and what other people are believing. Here in Ephesus, uh, that Paul is writing this letter to, it's a Roman city, and, and they believed in a literal pantheon of gods. And so if you wanted a certain situation to go your way, well, then you better pray to that God who's kind of over that thing. In Ephesus, there was the big temple to the goddess Artemis. There was 127 columns surrounding this building, about 60 feet tall, this big temple in the city of Ephesus, the goddess of the hunt. So if you wanted to have a good hunt, you were going out. Um, I think today people hunt mostly for enjoyment, but back then it was, to, it was to put food on the table. And if you wanted to prepare to provide for your family and go hunting and have a great hunt, well, then you better go pray at this temple for Artemis because she's going to look after your hunt. And, and people, yeah, I better do that. Or she was also the goddess of fertility and childbearing. And back then in this ancient world, giving birth to a child was a very dangerous thing. Uh, the average life expectancy for a woman was something less than 30 years old, the average. And so many women died in childbearing. And so if you want a good childbirth, if you don't want to die, well, then you better, you know, people would say, you better go pray to, the, to Artemis and go to this temple. You better or else something bad could happen. And people were tossed to and fro by all these different gods and what they thought they had to do. And Paul says, don't do that. Don't be tossed back and forth. You don't want to be tossed back and forth? Well, then this whole passage starts off with live a life worthy of the calling. And if you're going to do that, be humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. And make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So as we we think about these things, and I started off with, um, what is Paul telling us to do? Well, he's urging us to live a life worthy of the calling. I want to give us a second to respond to that because if you're like me, you think, man, well, this week, I, I guess there were some good moments in this week, but some other moments not so good. And man, am I really doing that? I guess, you know, I, I look at my life and think, you know, there's, there's some good things, but then there's just mistakes that we all have. If you're, if you're struggling through, you're, you're hearing this message saying, oh, live a life worthy of the calling. And you think, man, I've, I've kind of been struggling with that. I haven't really been doing that. Well, Welcome to the family. This is, this is the things we do. We, we strive for these things. And it's something we can obtain only through the Holy Spirit. It's only God's work inside of us. So would you bow your head for a minute? I'm going to ask us a couple questions along these lines. And, and ask us, you know, when, when we hear that, Paul urging us in the Scripture to live a life worthy of the calling, is, is that what we're doing? 
or, or, or right now, do we, is the Holy Spirit pressing upon us things that's like, oh, the mistakes we've made either today or this week, sins we've gotten entangled in, addictions that, that rule over us. And if that's the case, then, then, then Lord, we pray to you right now. We, we, we say, Holy Spirit, would you make us holy? Would you come before us and with the power of the resurrection, a couple weeks ago we celebrated Jesus, your resurrection, that you conquered the grave, you conquered death, you conquered sin. And that same power that raised Christ from the dead is inside of us, that we might, only because of you and you inside of us, live a life worthy of the calling to which we have been called. So Lord, we praise you. We give you our lives. We are urged on this morning to to continue living a life worthy of the calling to which we've been called. Amen. Would you stand with me? We're going to say together a, a prayer that we, we say to prepare our hearts for communion. It's a prayer of confession that we read and pray together. So would you join me? It says, Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we might delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen.